0: looking back, it was probably more of, yeah, I'll go out and do this and and hopefully, you know, maybe get some kids to come to a hockey game or try to spread hockey. I I love the sport. I love the game. You want to try and, and get it in front of as many people as you possibly can. So I think looking back, that's what it was about. But now looking at it's you want to grow the game you know i I want to try and and here in toledo uh, we want to try and grow the game as much as we can and get as many people involved um you know whether it's coming to a hockey game and bringing some friends it's it's an unbelievable night out it's a fun sport to play if you're interested in playing it's a fun sport to be involved in. even if you're not playing and i think that was the biggest thing looking back on it now is hopefully along the way all those school readings and and visits that we that we made uh, we made some fans, and hopefully lifelong fans, uh, just by just by being there and, and wearing a Crunch jersey uh, to those occasions. Hi there. Welcome to the show. I'm
1: Lucas Vivali and this is Crunch Chronicles, presented by Wendy's. Today on the show, we catch up with a former Crunch defenseman who spent three seasons with the Crunch. We're referring to Dan Watson, who began his pro career with the Crunch in the 2000-2001 season. He dressed in 59 games as a rookie that season, compiling seven points. Then he returned the following season and helped the Crunch win their first division championship in 2002. Then in 2002 03, Watson saw action in 50 games for the Crunch before being traded near the end of the season. In total, he played in 162 regular season games, tallying 20 points in his Syracuse sweater. His playing career continued, though, through the 2006-07 season before he retired from the game and got into coaching. He has been with the Toledo Walleye since the 2009-2010 season, serving as an assistant coach for seven years before being named head coach in 2016-2017. He remains the Walleye's head coach today. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Wendy's Pretzel Bacon Pub Cheeseburger is back. Dive into a bite packed with warm, savory beer cheese, applewood smoked bacon, crispy fried onions, and hot and juicy beef. All perfectly paired with a Dr. Pepper at participating U.S. Wendy's for a limited time. Dr. Pepper is a registered trademark of Dr. Pepper 7-Up, Inc. Lee Baldwin and Company is a proud sponsor of the Syracuse crunch for all of your investment needs. Check them out at investtoday.com. Lee Baldwin and Company. You do the dreaming. They'll do the math.
0: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, when you say back in the early 2000s, it's, <laughs> it's, it's certainly dating. us. That's for sure.
1: Well, it's exciting to have you here, though, and, and we've really enjoyed catching up with everyone so far and, and going into those uh, the early Columbus Blue Jackets days here in Syracuse. But before we get into all of that stuff, let's get caught up on what you've got going on these days. We know you're a very busy guy. You're still involved in hockey, of course. Fill us in. Uh, fill the Crunch fans in on what you've got
0: going on uh, currently for you. Yeah, I know I'm the head coach of the Toledo Walleye and the ECHL. Uh, I've been here now for six seasons as the head coach and and uh, in Toledo since 2009 on the coaching staff and finished my career in Toledo as a player in 2006-2007. So uh, it's definitely become my second home. I live uh, on the west side of Cleveland and uh, make that 100-mile commute every day to practice and, and obviously stayed on weekends for our games. So it's been a, a little busy that way, but uh, just trying to guide this team to a championship we've come close here the last couple of years we've we've made it to the finals or our previous two uh, playoff appearances and and uh, really uh, the fan base that we have here the, the ownership group and the front office that we have here uh, they certainly deserve a championship and that's what we're working for or working towards here this year uh, but it's been a ton of fun uh, I love love being a head coach uh, love trying to uh, coach these players and teach them not only about the game of hockey the game of life and and uh, you know It's certainly been a pleasure to be in Toledo for as long as I have been
1: Yeah, you've become I guess a mainstay there with the wall I, like you said you, you ended your career there with the Toledo storm and and I've been a coach basically ever since there What what got you started um, in terms of the coaching side of things? How did you jump into that uh, back in the day?
0: Well, you know what? It probably started uh, when I was a player in Syracuse, really, Um, you know, from from going from junior uh, to playing in Syracuse. It was one of those. uh, It was a tough transition in terms of playing every every night in the OHL to now maybe sitting out some games uh, as a young guy. But really. When you sit out, you watch the game, you start to understand it more. You start to see things a little bit differently. And and so my mind started to think a little bit differently at that time. And by the end of my playing career, I was certainly a student of the game. You know, I love to know everything about it and all the positions and the pre-scouts and all that kind of stuff. And just figured, you know, this is the best way. If I can't be a player, this is probably the next best thing is to try and help players. And, uh, you know, that's probably where it all started was with those early years in Syracuse and moving forward, just – uh, a few injuries kept me off the ice and, and got me on, onto the bench as, a, as an assistant coach. And, um, you know, I loved it from those very days and, and still, still love it today.
1: Yeah, it's funny you say that. Uh, you know, we hear coaches talk about, especially with young guys coming into the American Hockey League and you know, might be rookies, might be high draft picks, you never know, and and maybe they're struggling for a week or two stretch, and it's, they, maybe it's time to sit that player for a game just so they can get that different perspective, see the game differently, how might that help a player, and, you know, how might that have helped you uh, back in the day when you were just getting into this to, all right, let me, let me pull back a little bit, take a day off to catch my breath, and, and yeah, you do see the game differently from a different perspective.
0: That's probably one of the hardest things as a head coach now is telling a player they're not in the lineup because you know players want to play. So I think it's the message that the coaches have to give to the players. And and I was fortunate, obviously, to have – uh, Gary Agnew and Ross Yates as my coaches and, and they sat down with me and, and Ross used to show me a video. Um, Gary knew me uh, from back in the Ontario Hockey League when he was coaching London. I was playing in Sarnia a little bit of a rivalry there so he knew me a little bit as a player already and as a person so uh, those conversations were great and they really explained to me don't just sit and, and go in the stands and eat popcorn and, and hang out with buddies or whoever's at the game. Go and watch see how this guy plays see how that player plays and and try to try to factor in and try to make sure that you're watching the games so you can get better. Uh, and those are the messages. Now you're not just sitting out because you're not good enough. If you weren't good enough, you wouldn't be in the league, but watch the games. So you can get better. And I think that's, you know, it's so important for the young guys now that if there comes a time, they, they have to take a healthy scratch or sitting out due to injury or whatever the case is really watch and understand and become a student of the game that you're watching.
1: We're here with Dan Watson here on Crunch Chronicles, the current head coach of the Toledo Walleye. Going back to uh, your, your stuff with Toledo there, uh, what's the setup for you? I mean, I know a lot of ECHL teams have different setups with their head coaches. Some manage the roster, some are just there as head coach. How does it work for you, and, and you know, how are things going, I guess, in, in, in that regard?
0: Yeah, it's it's a busy lifestyle to be a head coach in our league. Uh, you certainly have to be organized. Um, you have to be on top of things on a daily basis. And I do. I manage the salary cap. I manage our roster. Um, we, we're very fortunate uh, that we have two full-time assistant coaches and a video coach, so we do have a big staff, so we can you know kind of do some of those extra things that other teams can't. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a lot of fun working with with the people I get to work with every single day. Uh, you know, you wear different hats, like I mentioned, uh, you learn a bunch of different things off the ice as well, not just the coaching side of things, but uh, management side of things, being a leader, uh, you know, obviously the ticketing and merchandising and you know, everything that our, our lead does with the fans. Um, That's one thing I remember about Syracuse and about Sarnia and now in Toledo, I have a great appreciation for is really trying to make sure we're community driven with our players. And so I'm involved with that. So there's a lot of things that we have to do and spend time on. Um, but like I said, very fortunate we have enough people on staff that, uh, you know, coaching doesn't go by the wayside trying to manage all the other duties that we have.
1: Toledo, definitely one of the, uh, the stronger markets uh, in the ECHL and has continued to grow and grow over the years, uh, just watching from afar at least. And uh, you're certainly a big part of that. You've, you've said, you know, the success on the ice has certainly come along as well. Back to back trips to the finals in uh, terms of the seasons that Toledo has played in. What has led to that success on the ice for you guys over you know, your time with the Walleye? Well,
0: I think it's everything that happens behind the scenes. It's number one. It's it's being involved with good people. Uh, character is extremely high in my list of recruiting. Uh, we want good people inside that locker room. who are there for the right reasons, um, you know. And then building a team from there, just making sure we have the right mix of veteran guys and younger guys uh, that can teach these younger guys how we operate behind the scenes on a daily basis. Um, our belief is we want our players to get better every day. That's how we function. That's how we operate. Um, you know, it's again, it's, it's, it's tough because you've got guys coming down from the American League on American League contracts, NHL contracts. You've got the veterans who know they probably aren't going anywhere. Uh, so you have a lot of different types of people in different parts of their life uh, that you have to manage. And, and that's been the trick for me is just making sure these guys all feel that they're, they, have a, they play a major role on the team um you know they, they're battling for each other and, and we start the season with two goals number one is to to be a team as, as quickly as possible and that's why we start a lot of times on the road we want to get out of the road be together as a team and then the second part is make the playoffs and in our league uh because of the the way it's set up with the 2-3-2 two, two format in the in the playoffs there truly isn't a home ice advantage and so for us it's, it's about trying to get to the playoffs so with all that said it, as you know, and as probably most successful teams know, it's, it's yes, you have to have a good team on the ice, but they have to be a family behind closed doors, and that's what we really try to promote and do uh, in Toledo.
1: Yeah, it's amazing when you see the successful teams. That really is the start of it, is be having that uh, continuity off the ice and, and that, that closeness off the ice. And you touched on, at the start of that, the juggling act, I guess, you have when players are coming down and all the different personalities and, and different spots that maybe the players are in in their careers. How challenging is it for you to be able to juggle everyone? And, and I'm sure if you have formed that nice group off the ice, it, it certainly helps if someone comes down. But you know, what are the challenges of juggling uh, all the different personalities and and roles that guys might be jumping into?
0: Oh, that, that's the biggest thing is all of a sudden you can be practicing all week long, and, and you get a call Friday morning, and you're going to get a guy sent down. Like, everything you've done all week long, whether it's special teams or line combinations, kind of get thrown out the window a little bit. Uh, so you want to try and manage that as best you can. I, I personally believe just being honest with the players. Uh, letting them know where they sit, what their role is, uh, making sure that guys are comfortable in that role and are willing to do that role. Uh, when guys get sent down, hey, they may be on a, a Red Wings contract, they may be on an, a Grand Rapids contract, but you know, play where your feet are at that night. And, and if they're with Toledo tonight, they play for the Toledo walleye, and, and you know, we make sure that we put an emphasis on that. Um, if, if they want to get back up to where they should ultimately hopefully be, you know, they've got to make sure they're playing well there and not thinking too far ahead. So just that short-term short term outlook and making sure, like I, like I said, play where your feet are that night, uh, understand your role, and just good communication, we find that helps out the players who are being sent down or guys that have to shift roles that are already there.
1: Yeah, certainly crucial, the communication, and, and uh, we always hear it here, having that right mind frame if you're coming down from the NHL or if you're going from the AHL to the ECHL, whatever it might be. Uh, certainly important to have that right frame of mind. Dan Watson is our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. Uh, Dan, we'll start to shift now to uh, to your time in Syracuse. Like we said, it was three seasons here, starting in 2000 and 2001. Uh, just you know, before we dive into some of the more specifics, when I say you know Syracuse, when I mention your time here, what's the first thing? What do you think of about your uh, your three years with the Crunch?
0: Well, I, I loved it, and I tell people to this day that was. My favorite city that I played for uh, in pro hockey, maybe because of the length of time, um, the people that were involved, but uh, I was able to grow up a little bit in that city. You know, I I came there as a a fresh 21 year old, um, you know, and and had the ability to get out of a billet's uh, place, uh, you know, living with parents and siblings in the summertime to now really going to live on your own and fending for yourself and trying to figure life out. Um, so when I look back at my time in Syracuse, that was a, a spot that I had the ability to grow up in and and learn uh, learn about life, and, and I certainly appreciated that.
1: You have a did you have a roommate or anything for your couple years here, or were you fully on your own? I, we always when all the guys come in these days, it's always like, whoa, I got to do laundry now, I got to cook. It's always a big <laughs> adjustment. Did you have someone along with a ride? Were you by yourself? How, how did it all work out?
0: No, unfortunately, you know, as, as a, I would say a bubble guy, I was one of the last guys to get that uh, infamous letter of, hey, you can go find a place now. And uh, by that time, most of the time, everyone was living with somebody. But, you know, what? I was fortunate, I lived uh, a little bit outside the city uh, the first year and then I lived downtown for my following two years. And so I really got ingrained uh, in the downtown lifestyle there.
1: Yeah, how important is that as a player to be able to, to kind of dive into a community? I mean, you're just living down here, but, you know, you get a better sense of things, I guess. You know, what was the feeling like when you shifted downtown and, and got a chance to live here, you know, by the rink and, and get that downtown vibe?
0: I loved it, you know, Armory Square was just, it was getting going, I think, and obviously there's, I was fortunate to get back there probably six years now ago and and see the transformation and everything, but I love living downtown, I liked that I was able to walk to the arena, um, you know, you go into the same stores, and you see the same people all the time, so you got that familiarity with, with the surrounding uh, areas, but uh, from this side of the chair now, not being a player, but on the coaching side, you don't realize uh, so what the impact you have as a player in a community, and so I certainly appreciate it, and I think Jim Cerosi can can probably say that uh, my rookie year I was I think I went to almost every single um, you know uh, place that we needed to go to as players whether it was a hospital, a school, uh, go visit a business, you know I was all in on that kind of stuff, and and you know I, now I certainly appreciate. Uh, that side of it from, from the coach's side, because it is so important to have that community rally around a team. And if the players can get involved and be, be part of the, the fabric of the community, it certainly goes a long way. But, uh, you know, living downtown, I had a great time, the restaurants, the bars, all that fun stuff, the hero, but I think just, just the ease of getting to the arena, um, and getting home and, and having everything right there for you was, was something special.
1: The, you mentioned the community aspect of things and it is so I mean that is what really drives the success of an organization over an extended period and, and now the cruncher in year number 29 this year and that's been a, a big reason why is because they've been so ingrained in the community and having players out there you know maybe in the moment it's it, for you it's like oh I got another reading I got another this I got another that but when you reflect back on it now and, and maybe even in the moment you 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 know, enjoyed it enough. Uh, just, you know, what are those days like for, for you as a player and just going, you know, you have to practice in the morning, maybe you're going out into the community just to, I guess, to keep you engaged throughout the course of a day.
0: That's that you just nailed it right there is staying engaged throughout the day. I think that's one of the biggest things getting to pro hockey that you have to make that adjustment for is what do you do after practice? you've got the entire day, not the entire day, you've got the whole afternoon and evening ahead of you. Um, you don't want to just go back and sit in an apartment all day long and, and you know, look at four white walls and, and uh, can kind of drive you stir crazy there. So when those opportunities arise, I think, you know, looking back, it was probably more of, yeah, I'll go out and do this and and hopefully, you know, maybe get some kids to come to a hockey game or try to spread hockey. I I love the sport. I love the game. You want to try and, and get it in front of as many people as you possibly can. So I think looking back, that's what it was about, but, now looking at it, so you want to grow the game. You know, I, I want to try and, and here in Toledo, uh, we want to try and grow the game as much as we can and get as many people involved. Um, you know, whether it's coming to a hockey game and bringing some friends, it's it's an unbelievable night out. It's a fun sport to play if you're interested in playing. It's a fun sport to be involved in, even if you're not playing. And I think that was the biggest thing looking back on it now is hopefully along the way all those school readings and and visits that we that we made. Uh, We made some fans and hopefully lifelong fans uh, just by just by being there and and wearing a crunch jersey uh, to those occasions. I think I
1: can safely say, though, you know, those appearances certainly have have continued to pay dividends for the crunch uh, here, uh, you know, 15, 20 years later as the crunch continue to be one of the most successful franchises uh, in the AHL, Dan Watson is our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. Okay, let's uh, let's dive into that first season. Then your rookie year, 2000 and 2001. You know, you jump out of out of the OHL, you come into the pro game. Uh, you you you're with the Crunch, nearly 60 games that first season. What do you remember from you know that that first year, that first taste of pro hockey with the Crunch?
0: Being nervous is all heck. I can tell you that right now. It's you know, again, we talked about diving in and leaving uh, leaving parents, leaving billets and being on your own and, and wondering where you fit in the grand scheme of things. Am I going to be on the team? Am I going to go down to the ECHL with Dayton that year? Uh, just all those things early on in the season. Uh, you know, you really, really have to make sure you're dialed in when you're practicing and playing. I was fortunate enough to make the team. Uh, and, and from there, it was really uh, meshing with the guys. And very, very fortunate the older guys we had, the leadership group that we had, uh, Billy Bowler, who's now the GM in Windsor, you know, he was a major factor. Um, Reggie Savage and Mike Gall, our captain that that year, uh, really, really good people to watch and see how they uh, kind of attack the game and how they worked every single day to get better. Um, you know, and Sean Selmser, and that's those are the things that I appreciate as we were treated extremely well by those guys. It wasn't a, we're vets, you're rookies. It was all-inclusive. It was, you no, know, we're one team together. It's a new team, new franchise with Columbus Blue Jackets. So I can really remember and, and recall just being a really, really close team that year. We may not have had all the success on the ice that year, but we certainly, I think, uh, created a, a good culture and team atmosphere uh, behind closed doors.
1: Yeah, it was the first year. You're right. It was the first year of the Blue Jackets organization, the first year of the affiliation obviously here in Syracuse who had been affiliated with Vancouver before that so you've got a you weren't involved before that but you jump in and it's it's a whole new look here in Syracuse with a new affiliation how involved did you guys get in terms of you know it's it's a whole wave of new players I guess in Syracuse that first year including you from from the guys who you know the fans here were used to cheering just the year before
0: it is and it was started right in Columbus uh, you know with training camp and being sent down to Syracuse. It was trying to figure out who's who and, and uh, who plays where and what's going on. And, um, you know, I'm sure the fans are the same way. They're probably like, who are all these new guys? We're used to seeing the Vancouver guys. Now it's Columbus, uh, new colors, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff going on. And, and so it was new for everybody. I was just trying to find your bearing and, and see where you fit within, within the the whole realm of what was going on. But um, Columbus did a great job with their communication. Uh, Gary and Ross obviously did a really good job of, of, you know, making myself better and the team better and, and creating that culture uh, behind the doors that, that uh, led to some more success. And hopefully some of that's continued on with, with what's going on there right now. Um, you know, but it was a blast to be a part of that first team with Columbus. And uh, you know it's a really special group of guys.
1: Yeah well Jim Sorosi does talk about still to this day how much uh, Gary Agnew had an influence on the organization then and, and getting that symmetry and, and the synergy I guess between the uh, upstairs and downstairs, the hockey ops and the front office staff and, and he was certainly a big part of that. All right, so that was your number one for you. your number two, uh, you're back with the crunch again in 0102 and play another 53 games with the crunch. That was a really good team that season. What do you remember from uh, your second pro season in Syracuse?
0: Yeah, obviously a little bit more comfortable, obviously knew where I fit uh, within the roster and what was going on. I had an injury at the end of the year with my shoulder that kind of kept me out of the the final, the final playoff push. I didn't play in the playoffs that year due to it. But uh, again, another really close group and we had success this time, Um, you know, against a tough Chicago team that I believe went on to win it that year in the playoffs. I mean, now you start to bring in characters. This year is the year. Of, this is the year of characters with Derek Walls or David Ling. Uh, we brought in great guys, Sean Pronger. Um, you know, and, and some of the young guys started to step up too. Obviously, Kent McDonnell wasn't there the first year. All of a sudden, he comes in and you know he's a great player uh, the second year. And, and uh, you know, bringing other guys, Brett Harkins sent down. Some of the guys that got sent down from Columbus that year were legitimate hockey players and made our team better. And uh, so I just remember being excited that we we're going to have an opportunity to get to playoffs, let the fans see how hard and how much the guys cared about the organization that were there. And I think that's, that's probably something that gets missed maybe is, is how, you know, a lot of times the successful teams is because they care. They want the fans to care. They want the fans to be ingrained. And I remember from that team, that's something that, uh, that we wanted.
1: Well, you mentioned Sean Pronger. We just had him on the show, actually, just this past week, and uh, we're chatting with him just last week, and uh, yeah, you, talking about that season. He was you know, up and down a little bit. He had uh, a scare with the birth of his uh, his daughter that year. But you know, what kind of guy was Sean Pronger? He was the captain of the team, obviously that year. What, what do you remember from him?
0: Just unbelievable leader down to earth, Um, you know, just because he was a captain and he didn't look down on people. Again, he was he was about the team. He did anything and everything for the team, Wanted to make people feel comfortable. Uh, And, you know, when you're you're choosing captains and I do it now to this day, it's all those qualities that really, really good leaders have, successful leaders have. He had it. Uh, And again, it's that appreciation of how he treated people. And it wasn't about, again, it wasn't about the rookie or, hey, you're a, a call up from the ECHL or United Hockey League at that time. It was welcome to the crunch. This is how we do things. This is how we play. This is why we're here and, and you're a part of it. And so I really, really appreciate that from him. Yeah, it sounds like uh,
1: he was such a, a big piece of that team that year. You said you got injured near the end of that year, missed the playoffs. How, uh, how tough was that for you when you know the, the crunch were, man, they were so good, obviously, that year just to, to miss out on, on that playoff run?
0: it's always tough as a player you want to play you want to try to make an impact Uh, you want to be involved and sometimes when you're sitting out especially in in those moments it's you know you don't feel like you're always part of the team Um, Gary and Ross you know you're always practicing with the team you're with the team we traveled and so they made sure that the guys that weren't playing were a part of it and I appreciated that I that's what we do uh, with our guys throughout the playoffs that aren't playing now is we bring them with us they're in the meetings they're at practice they're involved in everything and Again, it makes it a little bit easier, but at the same time, when you're having success, you want to be a part of that. You want to be on the ice celebrating. You want to be inside that locker room as much as you can between periods and, and uh, just that camaraderie through the playoffs. It's something special. Obviously, we felt it now in Toledo as the head coach. and um, But again, it was a great run. Uh, I know I had tons of fun. I know the guys had lots of fun uh, while they're on that run. Disappointing ending to a really good Chicago team, um, but you know what? It was uh, it was probably a career highlight for us, is getting getting that far in year two of the of the new uh, affiliation. And then uh, we'll, we'll shift to that final season with the Crunch,
1: 2002-2003. Uh, 50 games here in Syracuse. He also ended up uh, in Cleveland as well uh, that year. But uh, we're talking about your time with the Crunch that season, what do you remember?
0: Uh, you know what? It was uh – it was a great start. I played all, all the games all the way through. Uh, I love my time there. But it, it was almost at the very end, it was probably time to go try, you know, try and find a new organization to, to get my feet wet with. It was the last year of my contract, a little bit of pressure to perform. As, as uh, hockey players know, that final year is always a tough one. Um, so, that you know what? The hardest part was leaving. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I love the the start of it. I love the players that we had. Obviously, a guy you guys know extremely well right now, Matthew Darsh mm-hmm. uh, with Tampa. I mean, he was our leader, uh, led the team in scoring that year, I believe, and just a phenomenal human being. Um, you know, again, David Ling, the character, <laughs> he, <laughs> he was sure there, is. and <laughs> <laughs> he sure is. Uh, you know, he was there. It was, again, probably a, not a very successful season at all, um, a good group of guys. But what I remember that year is just how hard it was. Uh, to leave at the deadline and go to a new club and try to get my feet wet somewhere else. It really closing that chapter uh, of a book and wanted to really try and finish that third year out, hopefully get a qualifying offer. Once I found out, found that that wasn't going to happen. You know, it really was time to try and move on. But um, again, a special, special organization, a special, special city, like you mentioned, one of the the best organizations in the AHL. uh, And it's, it's, it, Really is a huge part of my life. Those three years.
1: Well, let's pause on uh, on Matthew Darch for a moment because you, you did mention him and and we were fortunate enough to see him now pretty frequently uh, when he makes trips to Syracuse or if the Crunch are on the road or whatnot. Uh, you know what what was he like then? He he, he was certainly a, a very good player for the Crunch for a number of years, and then he stepped away from hockey and then jumped back in with the Lightning. You know, are, I guess. Are you surprised by that? What, what was he like then? and, and uh, how has you seen him grow over the course of his career as well?
0: Yeah, no, I remember Darcy really well. We were rookies together. Uh, he was a couple years two or three years older than me. Uh, what I remember is just being uh, very down to earth, very mature uh, and very smart, uh, very smart. the way he saw the game, the way he was off the ice. He put in a lot of work uh, to become the hockey player. He the professional hockey player he did. And I give him a ton of credit uh, that, that he did that and, and played in the NHL. And, and now, obviously, uh, being on the administrator side, the management side of things with Tampa, he was smart and you could see it. And I just remember some of the conversations we were having, it wasn't the typical 21, 22-year-old conversations. These were more like the 30-year-old uh, family conversations, but yet he didn't have that yet. So very mature for his age a very smart guy. Uh, again, a leader uh, he didn't wear a letter early on. He probably could have. That's just how he operated. And I'm happy for the su- uh, success that he's having. You know, obviously being involved in Tampa, the Stanley Cup runs, and, and all that kind of stuff. It's it's good to see a guy like that be uh, be part of an or- organization like Tampa.
1: Dan Watson, our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. Uh, you, you we talked about you know your time here with the Crunch and how uh, how special it was for you. What was it like playing in, you know, in this building? It's certainly an old building, but we know what the home ice advantage was playing in this building and, and having the fans and the fan support over the course of your three years.
0: Yeah, it's, It was definitely one of the loudest buildings. In that place was packed and the energy it can create for the players uh, second to none. Uh, we feel the same. I feel the same way about Toledo now, obviously different league, but uh, they pack the place. They're passionate. Uh, Win or lose, they're going to be on top of you. They know what's going on. They've got some knowledge of the game. Um, And and so you know what? When you have all that, you start winning, uh, whether you're winning or losing. But now, obviously, you guys are feeling it now with all the winning uh, seasons you've had here recently. It is a fun, fun place to play. And you can definitely, like I said, that adrenaline, that energy that they can create for players – they really have to know and understand that does play a factor. And that Onondaga uh, County War Memorial there, it was a tough place. And you always want your home building to be tough, but that was a tough place for visitors to come and play. And I've been fortunate to see all the renovations and and everything, because it wasn't like that when <laughs> I played there, that's for sure. Uh, the guys are spoiled now, but I can tell you it's uh, – you really really have to ingrain yourself and enjoy it and I certainly did
1: that yeah I was gonna say you said you were in town you know five six years ago I was hoping you got a chance to see some of the upgrades and and the upgrades do continue but it's uh, it's still one of the most unique buildings in the league.
0: Oh, it is. It is. And I hope it always stays that way. You know, it's got that character. It's got that old school feel with obviously all the new bells and whistles down below. But with that said, it is a great place to see a game, to watch a game, uh, to be part of the fan base has got to be unbelievable as a player when you step on that ice.
1: Dan Watson here on Crunch Chronicles. Dan, we don't want to hold you too much longer, so we'll we'll end on this. Just, you know, any final thoughts, anything else you want to add, uh, you know, a, a special moment or, or anything? I'll, I'll leave it, you know, kind of open-ended for you just about your time here in Syracuse
0: with the Crunch. No, I just, you know what, I think I was very fortunate to have, uh, again, that front office staff. Uh, some people still remain there. Obviously, with, with Howard Dolgan, uh, Jim Cirosi, uh, Vance Lederman was a big, uh, big part of, of our early days back in the 2000s. Uh, I can't thank those guys enough for making pro hockey what pro hockey supposed to be. Um, you know, those those early days can be tough for young players. They certainly created a, a home for us as players, uh, certainly create a home in Syracuse for me as a player. And I, I can't thank them enough for how they operate on a day to day basis.
1: Well, Dan, we uh, certainly appreciate that, and uh, I'm sure those guys will be listening, and we'll appreciate that sentiment for sure. Well, thanks so much for doing this, Dan. Uh, we appreciate the time here today. Uh, we wish you luck uh, and continued success there with the walleye, and uh, good luck this season.
0: All right. Thanks, Lucas. Much appreciated.
1: There he is, Dan Watson. We thank him for giving us the time, and we hope you enjoyed the conversation Dan is certainly a busy guy and being an ECHL head coach is no easy job but he has had Toledo near the top of the league every season he has guided the walleye to the Kelly Cup finals in 2019 and in 2022 the last two years that the Wall have played that the playoffs have been held but the quest for his first championship continues and we wish him luck on that journey If you have any Dan Watson stories, we'd love to hear them and share them on an upcoming episode of the show. Hey, maybe you were one of those students he read to when he was a player for the Crunch, which he was talking about during the show earlier. You can send in a voice memo to me via email, l.favali at syracusecrunch.com. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of the show. Thanks again to Dan Watson for joining us. For all of us with the Syracuse Crunch, I'm Lucas Pavali saying so long for now. We'll chat again next week on another episode of Crunch Chronicles.